Welcome to the Why Music Podcast, where we talk to independent artists about their journeys, the inspirations behind their music, and ultimately why they make music. This next artist is a perfect combination of energetic pop and intimate singer-songwriter. An Ohio native whose vocals carry beyond the bounds of the Midwest, he's got an overwhelming level of energy packed into every track. Only a few years in, he's hit the ground running and has yet to slow down. Welcome, Adam. That's the coolest intro I've ever had in my life. <laughs> Thank you. Oh my gosh, I'm so hyped to be here. <laughs> I love to hear it. Heck yeah, um, man. I always like to start off with getting some background on where your story with music kind of all kicked off. Yeah, absolutely. That's that's such a convoluted story in a great way. So I grew up uh, playing trumpet and baritone. So I grew up in the brass section. It's where I unknowingly was absorbing a lot of music theory and um, I think I was just laying the groundwork for what I for what I was going to use later unknowingly um, and I picked up acoustic guitar and keys in high school so um, I just began playing a lot of instruments but uh, I was never one to sing my siblings were always one to sing I have a million sisters and they were always doing show choir and singing at church and doing all those things but that was never for me um, and so I picked it up my senior year of high school uh, when all of my friends happened to be in show choir and they were like, worst comes to worst, you audition and you get to dance with some pretty girls and it's it, it could suck, but that will happen. It'll be fun. Right. And so I auditioned and it went really well. I found out I can't dance, <laughs> but I can <laughs> sing. Um, and so ended up jumping into this whole world of show choir for one year with Loveland Fire Request, which is one of the best in the nation, um, which was really cool to just kind of fall into this scenario where everyone was so good and pushed me to like realize that I had some skill that could be refined. So that's so when I began singing. Uh, and then in college, that's when I began taking acoustic and keys a little bit more seriously and leaving the brass behind more so, um, like in terms of daily practice. And so I began writing music my freshman year of college. It was horrible, you know, as it goes. <laughs> and then my sophomore year, when COVID happened, that's when things coincidentally got pretty okay songwriting wise. And, uh, COVID obviously sent everyone home and I built a studio in my dad's basement without him knowing, which was awesome. And then I learned how to begin. I began to produce. Um, and a lot of, a lot of the people around me are phenomenal producers and gave me the feedback, the brutal feedback that sometimes I needed to hear that helped me learn really fast. So that's when I kind of put all the pieces together of the instruments I could play, the ability to sing, the music theory knowledge, and then the production elements all kind of created this little perfect storm with a lot of time with COVID. And I began this journey in the fall, I guess, August of 2020. That's kind of crazy. It, you know, with COVID kind of putting a pause on everything, it gave people kind of the chance to like, do things that like maybe wouldn't fit into mm -hmm. everyday life like absolutely i'm convinced that the only reason i finished my album in april of 2020 is because covid hit and classes just kind of nobody knew how to teach online so everything just kind of went on a little bit of a lull for a minute yeah yep. i got to finish some last little things that probably wouldn't have been done for another six months if covid hadn't happened yeah so, exactly um, i i think it there's was a silver a lining yeah, 100%. I think it was perfect timing also with the barrier of 
or like the barrier to entry of this industry mm -hmm. getting so much lower and just the accessibility for home producers and DIY artists. I mean, I'm one of them. I'm a product yeah. of it, you know, like it, it really just skyrocketed. So yeah, that, that silver lining was super prevalent and that guess both of both of our lives. Yeah. It's definitely, I think that is kind of helped in the way that, like you said, like the industry has gone to more, open-ended essentially like it's become more like you're getting people that are not quite household names yet but are like getting to that point where they are sustaining themselves and doing all this stuff just from doing it themselves like it's not the key is to find a label anymore it's just you know there's a mm. lot of opportunity especially with everybody doing freelance stuff anymore right. like you can get some any joe schmo to mix your stuff if you needed to it's crazy <laughs> how that's just kind of shifted in the last few years i totally agree i take so much i take so much out of the playbook from like nick d and mm -hmm. like tom rosenthal and a handful of others that are just like independent warriors and so good at what they do um and it, i mean they they definitely have their downfalls of like trying out the label type thing but ultimately coming back home to this independent space, you know? Yeah. And I think indie is such a broad term and a lot of people just associate it with the genre, right? Like backseat mm -hmm. lovers type beat, which is awesome. But like rarely do people realize that it, it is literally an abbreviation for independent. Yeah. That's, that's, <laughs> I mean, it, it's so crazy. Um, I don't know how historically accurate this is, this statement is going to be, but like how crazy the independent, scene has grown to have it be defined within a genre as well you know because indie is a monstrous a monstrous categorization but like in terms of the genre mm -hmm. and i wonder how much of that was actually curated by the independent people or if it became a monetized thing from the labels i don't know i'm just like going down a rabbit hole in my brain about <laughs> indie <laughs> no i, I mean that that does make sense. It kind of like brings to light, like I was just thinking, I was like, maybe because, you know, the whole thing with labels is they have some sort of creative control and stuff like that, mm -hmm. at least in most cases. And some of the stuff that is defined as indie is a little bit, you know, off the beaten track in the sense of it's not your mm -hmm. radio friendly all the time in the sense that it's something different. It's a little like there's an edge to it or there's something just kind of that makes you raise an eyebrow maybe but in a good way um, totally, so i'm wondering absolutely. if that's kind of what influenced it becoming like an actual genre because it absolutely. is it is similar to pop in the way that it's like there are ten thousand different things that could fall under pop same yeah. with indie <laughs> it's true it's super similar to like how the nfl versus the college football circuit is and stuff where like I mean, in terms of the spirit of the players, I think. And the NFL, they've kind of made it. We look at the Ed Sheerans. We look at the weekends where there's a lot less pressure. You know what I mean? Like mm -hmm. there's so much less hanging over their head. Um, and in college football, when these guys are fighting for every play that matters, that could completely define their career and give them a step up into this uh, major league scenario. Mm -hmm. Like it's the same kind of with these indie indie artists. And I feel like. I'm part of, or you and I are both probably a part of this movement where we're like scraping and gnawing at the bit to try to make something that is so representative of us that's still like digestible. And mm -hmm. I think there's more spirit in that than the people that are literally part of a machine, you know? Mm. I would, yeah, I mean, is my opinion. <laughs>
Yeah, that no, is my take that I can believe wholeheartedly. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think there is some definitely some merit to that because like with like if you're trying to do this yourself, you don't follow suit of the Ed Sheerans and the weekends who have been mm -hmm. in the industry and have that like whole team of who knows how yeah. many people um and have already like established something for themselves like you can't look at their socials and be like oh if i do that it's gonna work for me because it's <laughs> like that's not working for them because of what they're doing it's it's working for them because of who they are already like mm -hmm. they've made I a agree. reputation for themselves prior to social media being their backbone whereas mm -hmm. like you have to follow suit to like the nick d's and stuff like that more so than people who have mm -hmm. already made a name for themselves like Absolutely. it might work if that's like your persona to a t but at the same time yeah. it's like ed sheeran already exists we don't need another one we don't, we don't <laughs> exist <laughs> we yeah. don't need no, another ed sheeran so uh, uh i totally totally agree i could talk industry for like so many hours i just do that <laughs> with my friends on the daily <laughs> um so in this like peak covid time of like trying to like dabble in producing your own stuff learning this turn like starting to kind of pick up in the writing where at least to your own say it's better mm -hmm. than it was yeah, um way better we can always hope that it just keeps getting yeah. better over time Absolutely. um at what point in this kind of whole learning growing developing stage of things where you really like Oh, like I want to start putting stuff out. I want to have my name attached to this stuff. I want to start doing this like artist project. Like, what what point was it like something you wanted to commit to? I think that I'm totally of the mindset of if you like it, just put it out. And that's way different than a lot of other artists. So, like, that doesn't necessarily answer your question. But I think I, from the beginning, I like when I first started writing music, the goal was to put it out you know? Mm -hmm. And then I was brought back to reality with some friends saying like, Hey, that's not good enough, you know, which is good. And I'm really glad they said that because I look back at those things. And I mean, even some of the stuff I did put out, it was just better than the other stuff, but not necessarily good yet. So I think right at the beginning, as soon as I began producing, um, I just, I'm a dreamer and I dream high. And I like the day I got this computer, like yeah i'm gonna make an ep on this and it'll be out in a couple months and that's what happened you know and i think that that's kind of just the mentality that i've had since the beginning and i i started this project and i knew where i wanted it to go and i mean i'm willing to work and do whatever i have to um to make it happen and we're, we're taking it day by day but the victory every small victory is amounting to a lot bigger victories nowadays Absolutely. I mean, it's just, especially in an early stage, like every little thing is going to make all the difference. Absolutely. It's crazy. Yeah. I mean, the live element of things is a huge encouragement to me. So like every time we get a big show, every time we are like added to a bill, that goes a long way. But in terms of just releasing stuff, I mean, right when I built that studio, right when I bought this computer and began producing and stuff, the goal was always to just put it out. I'm I'm definitely of the mindset, like, if you put it out and it's not that good, people will just forget about it. Yeah. Whatever. That's you know? true. Put it, put something out better next time. I would rather throw a hundred lines and catch 10 fish than like throw 10 lines and yeah, maybe I'll catch one, but like 
then people i mean with my music i have so much out that, pe that people just can go so deep into my stuff and there's a lot of different sounds and stages of development represented mm -hmm. you know and some people even love that like amateur early stuff where to be honest it wasn't great but it has a lot of rawness and uh people sometimes gravitate towards imperfection you know no absolutely and that was kind of one of the things that i wanted to ask is it's like like if you look at the dates and like the time period on your tracks like you started doing this like you said august 2020 like it's been not even a full like three years mm -hmm. and you have more music out than most mm -hmm. which is it's just wild. like it's like <laughs> Thank I you. mean, it's, it's a cool observation, man. It's kind of crazy to look at it. And I'm like, it just keeps, it just keeps going, but it's like the timestamp. It's not like, it's like, this has been since 2015. Like this is like yeah, yeah. the last three years, you've just kind of packed a lot into it. So I think like, thank you. There's a lot to be said for that mindset of just like, like, I, mm -hmm. I like the way that you put it with the fish and everything. It's just like, you, not everything. That's what the whole problem is with the whole perfectionist mindset that a lot of people take it. It's like, it has to like, you know, you shouldn't be sitting on something for so long that it's just, cause how yep. much are you really going to change that one thing that's yep. worth putting it off for another like four months, you yeah, know? Absolutely. 100%. Nobody's going to hear the difference, man. Nobody. Right. And like, <laughs> like music nerds will, and you know, they'll yeah. go ahead, go ahead. They can go write their little like blog about it or whatever, <laughs> if they so please, exactly. but like, it's not going to make mm -hmm. that much of a difference at the end of the day. And like you said, yep. like it, it, it's better to put something out and have it fall short than to just sit on it and just st stamp it with a, it's not good enough because yeah, I like agree. it's, I, I, almost every artist I've had on here, I ask what, like, like it's always their favorite song of their own isn't the song that's at the top of their profile isn't the song yeah, that gets never. the most like response from people so just because mm -hmm. you don't think that that might be good enough doesn't mean that there aren't going to be people out there that would listen to it and consume it and love it as much yeah. as you did when you first wrote it 100% absolutely i mean the things that the things that i've put out that have done well have completely shocked me man like right now just creeping up like the numbers for no reason is this voice memo version of a song I did literally just into my phone. And it's just me and an acoustic guitar. And like, there's so much noise. It's a poor recording. It's a, it's a pretty good vocal take, but like, ultimately I wanted to show like, this is what it sounded like before I produced mm -hmm. it. And this is like the studio version of tattoos. And I think it's at like number nine on my, on my, like Spotify now, which makes zero sense because that is the least amount of time I've ever put into a song. I think that was like the third take of a three minute song. So I sat down, probably overthought it. I mean, ultimately from uploading it and like throwing a little bit of EQ on it, that took like 30 minutes, <laughs> like <laughs> genuinely. So yeah, I mean, I'm just very much on the mindset of like, just put the crap out, man. People want to grow with you. And I think that this just says a lot also about the industry and that everyone's like, oh, I'm going to make the perfect song and then it's going to blow up. And then that, then I'm going to have a career. No, I, I mean, like <laughs> odds are that's not going to happen. Right. Like yeah. in my opinion, or from my experience, I'm it, it, virality is totally a byproduct or if i get lucky something like that it's, but i'm yeah you can't bank on it right no and so that's why 
like i mean that's why i play all the small shows that's why i've grown to play like all these small ones to grow to grow to play something big you know um and then like yeah sure some of the new releases aren't going absolutely ballistic stream wise but i have hundreds of people who are listening every single day and who love those songs that have them tattooed on their body that have like literally somebody just made their graduation cap with one of the lyrics and it's like all this craziness and i'm like yeah we might only be fifteen thousand strong monthly listeners but like this is changing people's lives and they are lifelong fans so mm -hmm. that's how you build a career that's not how you build an overnight blip in the pan you know what i mean yeah and in i like opinion. i always advocate against virality just for the sense of like a lot of times like i feel like you might want that to happen, but then like that raises the stakes almost like that sets like a higher expectation than you might be prepared for, especially if you're like very early on in this stage of like, mm. this is like one of your first couple songs. It's like, you're going to have to really kind of be on your shit to keep up exactly. with the expectation that's then going to be set. Like if you want to go, like that's what you want to just send you into finding a label and doing that. Okay. Yeah, you'll, you'll, sure. you'll, you know be treading water you'll survive but yeah. like just wanting that sort of overnight success isn't yeah. something that's necessarily sustainable over time like that's like that could be your mm -hmm. peak and then it just goes down from there it's better I to agree. have that slow build and generate you totally. know actual connections and like monthly listeners and stats like that and following and everything it, like it really varies it yeah, really so varies much. and it can really you know, it's it's really hard to have that be what defines where like an artist is at. Like you just said, like fifteen thousand monthly listeners in the grand scheme of things might not be that much, but like you're having these people do these things that like as a response to your music that is like clearly like a true like top one percent fan type of vibe. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like, there's a lot of them too. Yeah, there's it's just there's no and like but do those two things sit in the same equation? Yeah, not right? what meets the eye but you, the, clearly it does exactly. you know yeah um, oh my god i totally i'm like this is the soapbox that i love so much <laughs> but go off man like i think that the people that just blow up overnight like i've had so many friends do that started the project like months prior or it's one of their first releases you know like they will never know they will never know what it's like to play a room of 50 people and you put so much work into getting 50 people there mm -hmm. and those that show for 50 people will feel better for you than an arena full of people you never worked for like i've, I've i mean when we opened for walk a flock of flame like there, there's 5500 people there but i literally that was my first show ever and I got up there and I was like, that's so fun. That was so cool. Wow. And then I headlined like a couple of months later and we sold like 400 tickets, which is great, but like nowhere near that 5,000 number. Right. Mm -hmm. And I felt so much more love and like, just, I felt so much more of everything in that smaller room than I did in that room with literally over 10 times the amount of people, you know? So yeah. I think that if you want to love life, if you want to have a fun career, like like a true longevity based, like fun, like love at the center career, you need to do your time, you know? Yeah. I mean, it's because the thing is, too, is it's like I think the people that 
will continue to do it after it's been a few years and maybe things haven't quite and got off quite got off the ground yet like those are the people that are here for the heart of it like here Mm. because it's just their soul cannot manage to do anything else like it's like that is you know it's 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 there's it's this very saturated space especially with how independent is anymore because it's Mm. like anybody can do it in the way that anybody like in, in the sense that anybody has those resources yeah but at the same time it's like it's not going to happen for everybody because I don't think ever it's just like anything else. Like not everybody will be in it for the right reasons. And so it'll like the people that are like focused on the virality, like that's just not, you know, if that's all you want, good luck, but Mm -hmm. you know, you'll, you'll give it up in a few years, but it's those people that really like will put everything they have into it to just see something come out of it Totally, are the ones that will end up, here year after year and continue to see that actual like stair-stepping growth i agree it's the question of like would you keep putting out music if nobody listened and if your answer is no you're not doing it for the right reason like me and my friends have played so many shows for like nobody or for like no money and like every time we walk into those scenarios we're like it's for the love of the game because Mm -hmm. i feel so alive in front of 10 people just shredding our in with my boys with my dudes and like it's what we do you know playing these songs that means so much to me so i feel like that's where that's where my heart is in that that was like the most long-winded roundabout way to answer your question (laughs) (laughs) literally that's all good um what inspires a lot of your songwriting oh great question i take inspiration from a lot of different things. A lot of my projects are all over the place. So my EP was inspired by like romanticizing strangers. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. The lovely stranger EP is all about, I mean, the chorus of the title track is like, Hey, you lovely stranger. My world revolves at the pace of what you do. Hey, you lovely stranger. You're just in time. If only you knew type thing where there was just a time where like, I wasn't dating my current girlfriend and like we, I don't know. I was just like looking around and, you know, what like those passerbys where you're like, wow, I might think about them for the next couple of years. Maybe I should have married that person, you know, <laughs> <laughs> um, that's so like, that's, that inspired that my girlfriend right now, she inspires a lot of my music. So songs like that'd be enough, um, like really speak directly to her, like explicitly describe her. Um, but a lot of it, I would say the large majority of the stuff is my own introspection of like finding out who I am through the process of writing these songs. So things like golden eyes and and like make it today were like originally with prompts. Like I just wanted to write a song about perseverance and little did I know I was writing it about myself. And you, it's hard to realize that until like I was halfway through production when I realized, man, the reason I love this so much is because I'm connecting with it so much. And it's definitely just about me. You know, like Golden Eyes was written to to someone like, I got you, like, you're going to make it, all of this. But like, in retrospect, it was definitely what I needed to hear in the moment. So I think my most authentic songwriting is from the depths of me that I don't want to say. So I write, you know, Mm -hmm. I mean, I think that's I think that's a lot of times the case, because like I I mean, I ultimately started writing as just a can't say it out loud. I'll put it in a song, call it a day and then we're good, you know? <laughs> yeah, um, exactly. 
it's kind of like the best stuff because you like when you put it in that sort of context you're kind of enabling yourself to take a perspective on it that is different than just trying to sift through the thoughts yourself like you know it's not like the intention of this is what I'm feeling this is what I'm writing about it's Mm -hmm. this just happens to be like where I'm at I wrote something and apparently it translates that you know it's never it's always the ones at least in my opinion that like kind of happen naturally and not really necessarily with the intention Mm -hmm. of being like, this is how I feel. This is what I'm putting on the page where it's just kind of like an ax. It's that happy accident of like, Mm -hmm. I felt something couldn't figure out what it was. (laughs) Walked around on the piano for a little bit and things happened, you know? Right. Um, 100%. Couldn't say it better. It's just so true. And then, I mean, sometimes it'll leave you in the situation where it's like, is that really how I feel? Do I need to yeah. like? Do I need to <laughs> deal with that? Is yeah, that should you know, I go is that handle a, that? Should we go? Yeah, should, should we talk about that? <laughs> <laughs> should that be you know addressed? Um, right. No, the answer is always no. <laughs> Shove it down. Shove no. it down. Save it for a song for later. <laughs> exactly. Oh my God! There's this one that I wrote with completely that sentiment called "Lover" that's not out yet, and I like have it recorded and felt so good about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I, like it just didn't make sense to put it out in the month that it was like written in and stuff. And so I was like, "Oh, hold on to this," but I'll put it out in the spring. But the more people I show it to the more people are like, oh my God, I relate with that so much. And it, and so I'm breaking my own rule and it's the only song I'm holding on to because I've been playing it so many places and people are like, oh my God, we love this, we need this, we need this. And so I have them tell me what it means to them, you know? Mm-hmm. And then like when I finally put it out in the fall, which is when it actually is going to come out, like I'm going to have all of these stories of all of these people playing like, play, I mean, when we opened it for Judah and the Lion, I played it. Like when we were playing all these college shows, they, all, all the college kids have begun um, like this hashtag make lover a single because they want it now, um, which is cool. <laughs> and it just, I think that it, it was a complete, it's a complete reflection of how people want to relate with the art that we make. I mean, it's literally three verses and a bridge and it, has no chorus to it like um it's just a weird format of a song but people people find themselves in it and the rhyme scheme is so whack but it was I wrote that song in like 15 minutes I and I I I knew that I I knew that I wanted to write a song like I needed to get something off my chest and I mean it I I sure did and it just came flowing out of me for that tune yeah and and you know, some of the, sometimes the songs, and I feel like anymore, what's nice about music is like things aren't your cut and dry formats anymore. Like mm. you can just have that yeah. sort of thing and people will potentially love it if it's yep. like, you know, done in the right way. I don't think that every song was is meant to have a chorus. I don't think that every song is meant to have a bridge. You know, it's like sometimes it'll just go top to bottom, the same kind of deal, just telling different parts and the kind of yeah. get things along the way and totally that's just sometimes how it how it kind of works out you can't always mm-hmm. write to the uh textbook format you know 100 percent. there's so there are like a handful of songs that i like before i really realized what i was doing music wise um I, I was like goodness i love these songs they like really spoke to me and um now that once i began writing my stuff i realized that these are super abnormal 
song structures and began writing things similar to it. Like two of the ones that really inspire me are Ordinary People by Blake Rose and um, and How to Be Yours by Chris Renzema. Do you know of either of those? I know the Blake Rose one. Okay, I was going to say those two like are super strange format wise and have just like, those are life songs. Like I'm going to be playing those the rest of my life for my kids, for my grandkids. It's, it's like that kind of thing. And I like literally steal the con, not the concept, steal the format because I'm like, that's so good. And it made me feel something, but I never seal it on purpose. I just write the song and I'm like, Oh my God, that's, that's ordinary people. Wait, (laughs) you know what I mean? Yeah. That's how a lot of my process is. It definitely just kind of happens sometimes. And that's the best part of it. I think, you know, you have to be somewhat intentional to kind of keep that muscle getting stronger and whatever with the creative process and stuff. But Mm -hmm. at the same time, it's like the stuff that just kind of comes out of you without any sort of pause where you're just like, damn, like two hours just went by and I had no idea. (laughs) Yeah, right. The best stuff. Exactly. Always the best stuff. We're just vessels sometimes, man. It just comes out. If you had to create a new genre around your style of music, what would you call it? I think that's what we're doing right now. (laughs) (laughs) Right now, I think the direction, though, that we're taking it is, oh, I'm so excited for the new music we're putting out. We're kind of going, if Coldplay met some Michael Buble and like, like a little bit of sex on fire type beat, you know, Mm. Kings of Leon. Yeah. And like, I don't really know what we would call that, but it's such like wholesome pop, you know, (laughs) that's where, that's the space I live in. You know what I mean? Where we, I don't know. I feel like it's, it's seldom anything but uplifting, but there are some, there are definitely some songs that don't fit that bill, but um, I don't even know. It's hard to put a title to what we're doing because finding finding our sound I feel like I'm just swimming through an ocean you know what I mean yeah I mean it's it's a tricky thing you know like people struggle enough with trying to put themselves in a box of this is the like genre I fall under especially with all the sub-genre categories and everything anymore it's hard to kind of mm. narrow it down especially in that sort of like pop fa- uh, side of things because uh, mm-hmm. it's an all-encompassing thing you know, really so is. much falls into pop and it's just like, yeah, I totally that's, agree. That's just it. <laughs> I don't know where I'll ever be. I'm just going to keep floating and people are going to keep liking it, hopefully. So we're just going to keep going. <laughs> I mean, if Taylor Swift can go through all those different eras, I don't think anybody can yep. stray exactly. too far from their exactly. roots. Exactly. You know, exactly. I mean, as she's, I mean, in my opinion, um, or from my interpretation from one of her songs, the greatest movies of all time were never written. Um, I think, or we're never done. Um, I think that the greatest music of all time will never be the most visible. And I hope that I become more visible as an artist at some point, you know, but I think that that's a very interesting thing to run with because we are all trying to be different, but fit in, you know? And my interpretation of that phrase is like the greatest art, the greatest music only be recognized by few, you know? So I think genre being genreless is, has never been more prevalent, but everything in music business says, don't do that. You know? (laughs) Yeah. I mean, you know, but if you 
look at stuff from even five years ago, it's going to tell you to do things differently than it would now. You know, things are ever changing and we are True. in the peak time of do whatever the hell you want. My, mm. my, my take on anything is if it's good enough in quality and not in the like, oh, this is good music, this is bad music, like opinion kind of thing, but like yeah, quality yeah, yeah. and sort of like in terms of sound, mm -hmm. if, if it's good enough, every like mu all music will have its home in somebody's ears, you know, it'll, yeah, it'll be totally. like somebody's, mm. somebody will care about it, you know, but the more off the beaten track you go, the smaller that audience might be, but the more passionate that audience will probably be. I you totally know? agree. Um, yeah. I've never thought about it like that. That's that's a good take. Uh, that's totally true. There's home for everybody. Like uh, one of my favorite artists has 11 monthly listeners, 11, and he's amazing. And it pisses me off because he's so good. Oh, but like <laughs> his, his, I mean, his music is home in my ears. So yeah, I mean, I, 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 it's just a matter of finding it. That's the thing is like everybody, like the biggest question is like finding your audience. And that's ultimately what kind of makes that career and funnels that growth. But mm -hmm. uh, absolutely, it's the, so right. it's the hardest uh, piece of the puzzle. It so is. You're so right. Is there a release that you think is the best representation of who you are as an artist like if you had to sell somebody on essentially coming to your next show and you showed them you had to show you got them you got to show them one song from your catalog what song do you show them to get them to be the next adam paddock fan that's the best way to ask that question <laughs> that was awesome <laughs> um well I would say conveniently, I have a live album out. Um, <laughs> uh, so that is truly representative. But oh, it's so it's yeah, we have the we have the binary in my shows where we have the super upbeat epic, like mm -hmm. really fun. And then we have the really wholesome, all it feels almost churchy, ethereal, you know. Mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> so I'm going to answer both of those because okay. I, I feel like I'd have to give you two songs. I would say listen to Milky Way live at the Newport um, because it like the crowd noise makes me cry every time. the crowd to sing it literally like four times and they know every word all the verses all the choruses and it's like that was my first song i ever put out you know 
So that one would be very representative. Uh, and I think it's pretty vocal, pretty good vocal take and really represents my band well because I love them so much and they make me so much better than I am. Um, I, I love the live versions from that album better than most of the studio stuff that we have out. Mm -hmm. Maybe it's because it's new, but maybe it's also because it's better. Um, and then for the upbeat situation, I would say Broken Clarity Remix. I would say that is the most bombastic, upbeat, like craziness as it can get. And then everything falls between that and Milky Way. This vintage love leaves a mark, it leaves you all alone with no help. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but just go and focus on yourself. So I think if you listen to those two songs and you like it, you'll like the rest, you know, but that's, a, that, that's just really like choosing children. You know what I mean? Choosing a favorite <laughs> child. Yeah, I'm sure you get that. Like it's, I would say there are a handful of others that really fall into that competition. I think that, I mean, I, I think it's an interesting take that you kind of took it as what are the two ends of the spectrum? And the fact that one of the ones you landed on is like your first release yeah. now it's granted it's the live version but it's yeah, still yeah. it's like the first thing you like ever yeah. wrote or ever put out at least not ever wrote but yeah yeah um, it is one of the first things i ever wrote actually broken clarity was interesting to me because i hadn't heard the original first i had heard the remix first and so ah. then i went back and listened to the original and i was like because to me i couldn't necessarily make out that it was like i knew it was it what was said was broken clarity once i knew the name of it but just hearing yeah. it i was like trying to figure out what those like words were and then i went back and heard the original <laughs> yeah. and i was like wait this kind of like because like remix sometimes remixes for me can very much be hit or miss like sometimes they take something mm -hmm. and just make it in this very like yep. four on the floor type of vibe and it's just yeah, doesn't it's just, it's just not it yep, that yep. one it was like it reinvented the song in a different way which was Completely. really interesting to kind of hear it's like it wasn't just like a couple things were added here or there or like it mm -hmm. was just kind of like adjusted it was like it kind yeah. of was like completely like remixed, which was like it was really a new cool song, to see. like completely. Yeah. I yeah. wish I had recorded my first time listening because my jaw was on the floor. <laughs> like, oh my God, I can't rave about Sam Bowman enough. He's like the remixer who did that song. And he has a whole playlist of other stuff that he's remixed. And that kid is just the best producer I've ever met. Like, really? He has this crazy comprehension of music theory. And so things just get like, he breaks so many rules in great ways. So if you had to pick two or three artists that you think your music is like a combination of, who would it be? Oh, that's such a good question. I have a couple different answers based on the target demographic. Um, <laughs> I would say, like, how do I rope in all of these worlds? I know. Because <laughs> there's a lot of Jeremy Zucker in there. Okay. There is uh, AJR is the most mainstream way to tie in horns into pop, but it is not representative enough. So I'll say AJR for the layman, but really it would be more of a King's Kaleidoscope or a couch type thing where there's just more complex, like the horns and stay close to me. Like that's so beyond 
pop horns, you know, like that, that's stupid. Like those are so good. And AJR would never do something like that because it's too complex. So many ads and all that junk, all that junk. Um, and then, so I, I, maybe I'll say, maybe I'll say Jeremy Zucker, AJR and Coldplay. I think that's fair because Jeremy Zucker and Coldplay have acoustic versions of stuff and more stripped versions of things. Mm-hmm. So like, that's where some of my stuff intersects, you know? Um, but I also have the bot, like the, like the really motivational elements of Coldplay that, but also some of the more like tight production that comes with Jeremy Zucker. Yeah. I mean, if you think about like Coldplay's, like they're like clocks era and stuff like that, like even the mm-hmm. scientist, like that's more on yeah. that edge of your more singer songwriter type rather than the i mean you get the live show energy of Coldplay, you know yeah, in that sense sure. too um, yeah that, that's but... my favorite oh that's why we did that um we did the one uh golden eyes a sky full of stars mashup which i don't know if you've heard but it goes so ballistic it goes so hard live oh i <laughs> love that uh, yeah it's just it's the same cool when you can like, cross yeah. something like that, you know, cross something mm-hmm. of your own with something that like exists and have it function totally. in a normal way. Yep. Absolutely. Yep. I agree. And it was just a total accident. I I was writing golden eyes and then I was just like getting frustrated. And so I looked up a cold place. So I'm like, I'm just going to play a cover to get my mind off this. And then I realized these are the same chords, just in a different key. So I transposed them and I was like, wait, we're going to do this live someday. And I recorded a video of us doing it. I recorded a a video of me doing it junior year of college in a practice room. Mm. And I need to stitch that with all 900 people at that show. (laughs) (laughs) For sure. Came full circle. The whole, this whole journey has been they say it's a seven-year career and i'm seeing so many things come around after just three well not even three yet but you know what i mean i mean just wait just wait till you're at seven you know that'll just be nuts (sighs) i can't wait (laughs) that's gonna be so fun i can't wait for that day what is an outside passion of yours that you feel impacts who you are as an artist (laughs) i could take this so many different ways Uh, (laughs) I have so many like stupid ones that like, I think, okay, I'm going to go a couple different routes. All right. Well, annoyingly, the first thing that pops into mind that impacts my life genuinely is Frisbee golf. I disc golf a lot and I have so much fun doing it. And it is like a great stress reliever for me and it's a free sport and it's super easy to bring friends like along. Like Mm -hmm. you don't even have to be good if you can throw a frisbee with confidence even if it's bad we'll go find it and everybody is just happy when you get to the end of the course so like that's one of my favorite outside hobbies so i mean just growing up playing sports and uh, being a gymnast in college and all that junk like i need to be active in some way and that's a way where i can like burn two hours and burn some calories and be outside and still be with people because i need people like people are the point, you know what I mean? You know, <laughs> looks. <laughs> oh my god, is that a people are the point wristband that you have on right now or not? No, it is not. It looks the exact same as my people really are the point wristbands. Yeah, the blue one. Um, weird. I was like, how did you get that? If, if it is, <laughs> um, no. 
that's funny but that's definitely a hobby that impacts me outside um i what other hobbies do i have it's a great question i'm a pretty obsessive individual so i like do a lot of just music all the time you know um what other things literally my life is wake up make music and then hang out with friends or hang out with my girlfriend like like that's everything i go to church um i would oh a passion these are all like so flippant because i feel like i'm completely all in or i'm like completely hands off like i'm a big trivia guy i mm. love going to trivia like i go to trivia twice a week like every week whenever i don't have shows um so i think that's something that impacts my knowledge i can stay sharp um <laughs> these are not the answers you're looking for oh my god <laughs> <laughs> um what's the question again <laughs> what uh what is an outside passion of yours that you feel impacts who you are as an artist yeah those don't impact me as an artist um oh yeah oh my god so in college i was an ra and mm -hmm. so i had a lot of passion for like helping kids find home find community on campus at ohio state you know so that was like a really big thing for me and ended up bleeding into so many ele elements of my artistry um in fact my guitarist and co-producer is more was one of my residents so max lou my guitarist and co-producer literally lived two doors down from me and it was my job at Bowen House in Ohio, at Ohio State to make him feel comfortable, make him feel welcome amongst the rest of the floor and everything. And that completely impacted the trajectory of my artist path because so much of my sound is curated by his guitar parts and um, just like the incredible ear that he has for mixing and also just like, I don't know, just knowing what the Adam Paddock brand is. And then, I mean, I think driving for that community in the RA element of things I, if you listen to Brightly, my song, one of my oldest songs, you can hear a bunch of my residents yelling gang vocals during the choruses. And that's just because they heard me making music at the first couple of weeks of school and were super intrigued. So all of them who are listening on the outside of the door, I looked through the people and I was like, hey guys, just come in and be a part of this. And so they all yelled and it was a really cool thing. So I think building community is like the biggest thing for me. And that's why I started People Are The Point, um, at the LLC that everything runs under and why a lot of my merch says that. So that's kind of where my hobbies, but also just passions intersect with like the artistry of it. Because I don't think it's worth doing. I don't think music is worth doing unless you're doing it with people you love. So I think that's, that's a way well better said. answer. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Much better than frisbee golf. <laughs> I was just where I was just waiting for that connection to where that kind of crosses over into the yeah. music space. Yeah, you're, you're like, <laughs> what are you saying, dog? Oh my god, <laughs> what is it that you think sets you apart from other independent artists? I feel like we've kind of like edged on an answer to this mm -hmm. question just in earlier conversation, but sure. it's on the list. So let's oh, I love get that. into no, it. That's so sick. I think that. There are a handful of things. I think there's the business mindset that that that's like the first thing that pops to my mind. Um, creating meaning alongside the music. 
um, is a big thing for me. So I think that a lot of people just put music out. It's like, I broke up with my girlfriend and now I hate her. And I'm like, no, like, how can I make your day a little bit better or like impact you? You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And not to say that music is soulless because that music very much comes from a real place. But I want it to be a little bit of an experience and a community driven thing when you're looking, listening to Adam Paddock and experiencing what I have to offer. So I think that's one thing that sets me apart. Um, I think the drive and um, ability to to pull crazy shows is a big thing that a lot of indie artists aren't able to do, especially at our scale. Like no one, sh no one's first concert ever should be walk a flock of flame. Like what, <laughs> what you are kidding me. You know, like I can't believe I opened for them without like me and the band had never played. David was a part of that band who played that show as well. He We had to call him in two days before, drive him up. He had to learn it on the spot. Like it was crazy, crazy good. Um, so I think having a band behind me that's better than me at my at all of the instruments that um, like we play is a very important thing. I have a lot of people very sold out for this because we it takes a village to make something great. You know, like I'm making good things myself, but every time I send it to Max, every time I send it to Adrian, like they're like, hey, do this simple thing and it's 10 times better. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So I love not working in a vacuum and I prioritize not working in a vacuum. Um, I plan in a vacuum to make it so I can make my village grow as quickly as possible. So I think that's a big thing. Um, I think a handful of mentors in my life that teach me, that have taught me uh, a lot of valuable lessons from their mistakes really helps me out. So like in terms of fi the financial element of things, like we don't, I don't, I don't get paid for music. Everything that I would get paid for, we just pour straight back in. The band is pretty sold out on that as well. Like other than college shows, we, Adam Paddock pays for Adam Paddock entity. Um, and the band, they're like, if you pay for my food, then we're chilling. You know what I mean? So I think those things, it's just really important to find people with your priorities, you know, like in line. So that's a big thing. Um, I think just it really breaks down to the having meaning alongside um, the independent artist's message, you know. So the people are the point thing. It was never a gimmick. Like it was mm -hmm. never just a motto. I've been saying that since high school, literally. And somebody joked, oh, like put that on a t-shirt. And I was like, how about I make that my entire thing? <laughs> yeah. You know? And so I think those are a handful of things that set me apart. Um, I think that the more you invest in other people, the more it'll come back. Absolutely. I mean, I think, I think that like, I thought I, have looked at like the people are the point stuff before and I looked at it and I was like it's not like the like what's cool about it is it's not just listed as like your merch like if you click on like a link to your merch it'll take you there but it's like it's under people are the point like that's mm -hmm. the all-encompassing yeah. thing like you said that's the LLC and everything like it's cool that it's like you've taken it in a way where it's like more about that than it is like oh this is me and what I'm doing mm, and this is yes. like the yeah. like purpose oh, and everything so like cool. it's just an all-encompassing kind of thing which is something like like it, you're right it's not something that a lot of people have done mm. um people yeah, might people have can... like purposes behind their yeah. things and things that they totally. want to kind of get across and messages and whatnot but it's not necessarily articulated in that same kind of way and mm -hmm. with it being so like communal in that way mm. Um, it 
makes a good case for, you know, the live show setting for stuff like what you do and stuff like that. It's just a cool kind of all encompassing thing. That's, you know, it's, it's bigger than just the music. Yeah. That's so real. Yeah. I think I know that also people can tell if you're faking it, you know, if it's a gimmick, if it's something that you're just trying to monetize. So I think that, I mean, if anybody's taking advice from this, you can't, you can't just phone it in, you know, you have to live it, you know? Mm -hmm. And I think it helped that it was kind of just like, oh, oh, well, why don't I? Because I'm already doing it, you know? Mm -hmm. um, and I think it's, I, I think I'm lucky, but also I think I'm lucky to have found myself in the communities that prioritize people a lot. And <clears throat> keeping that at the forefront of things is the only way I want this business to continue. Yeah, I mean, it. it's what it's ultimately all about. Like you said, it's not it's not as enjoyable doing it entirely like isolated. It's about yeah. having that community just in the music itself. You know, like you said, like mm -hmm. it's more worth doing when you're doing it with people that like you care about and people that are kind of Preach. in that same mindset. And mm -hmm. so like having that also impressed as like a um, message and mantra, if you will, like it just makes sense. Yeah, come on now. I love that. It's so <laughs> sick. I think we've kind of led directly into this with what we were just talking about, but uh, what impact do you want to have with your music and your artistry? If I am playing music for the people that have supported me and that I've been able to like reciproc reciprocally like love back with my art for the rest of my life, the message of people are the point and the community that builds like that will be everything for me if i can just play for those people and see, like a lot of people come to all of my shows because they meet other people who are like oh my god because we take 30 seconds out of most shows to be like all right meet the people beside you that way next time you come to an adam paddock show you'll have even more friends here and that like has gone a really long way and i as long as those friendships continue like we have roadies and we have groupies and we have these people who want to be a part of this thing for a long time. So the message and the impact that I want to leave is that like, you're not alone. You're not like insignificant, like in this room for these three hours when we're all together enjoying this music, I'm enjoying it with you. You know what I mean? And I think that impact goes a long way and that people are the point. And when I say people are the point, it means that you are the point, you know? Absolutely. I mean, I, I think, and it's become more, prevalent to me in the past couple of years but it's like what ultimately is at the core of why music is the way that it is and why it's in, enabled to have the impact that it can have is because of that humane need and desire for like human connection more than anything else like it's like put it up there with food water and shelter you know like it's just <laughs> we need Ugh. that sort of connection in some way shape or form um mm -hmm. all the time and so it's what like you know it's why there are, are these cult followings to some artists it's why that there are like you can become friends with someone just because they like the same like artist as you or the same music as you like that's something that people can bond over so easily yes. is because it's just you know and it's and it the music connects you to the person that created it um, and it connects totally. you as the creator to the people that consume it. 
Um, Cause it's just kind of this unspoken thing of like, I wrote this thing, you enjoy this thing. There's a reason that we both like have this attachment to this thing and we're just like, you know, bonded yeah. that way. And so with it being so people centric, it's like, it just mm -hmm. makes so much sense and fits so well um because it, of yeah. the impact that that alone as a thing can have and now you've kind of made it your whole purpose if you will um and it just so, kind of amplifies it even more cheers to that man it couldn't have said it better absolutely <laughs> true 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 yep that's that. i mean that's what that's what it's all about <laughs> exactly i i literally can't add on that's it's so symbiotic and that's and the fact that you understand it encourages me yeah that's it's awesome. I think that brings us to the last question, which is ultimately the whole kind of um, idea behind the podcast, which is why music? Mm, I love that. How did I not see this coming? <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, why music? I think music for me, I think that the answer to that question is that I just have no better way to represent or to process what I what I feel, what I experience um, in my daily life than the music that I can create with the people that I created. You know, like it, they go in tandem. They cannot be they cannot be separated. Um, I think the why music is my it's it's my conduit. It's my conduit for meaning. You know, and so whenever I get the opportunity to sit down with someone and co-write or sit down with someone or get on a stage with someone and perform and be like, this is this is why we were created. There's an understanding. And I've yet to find a stronger understanding between me and another group of individuals. Never felt more loved. I've never felt more seen and felt like I was worth a lot, you know, in that scenario. So. I think that's my why music. It's it's about doing the thing that I love most with the people that I love most, even if I've met them three minutes before on the side stage. There's an instant connection all the time when the music when the music's intention is in the right spot. No, I mean I like we were just saying it's it's so much bigger than we could ever imagine. It's so much bigger mm -hmm. than you can ever even fathom you know it's yep. just the power that music has the impression that music can have on people the level of passion that goes into the creation yeah. of it it's just totally there's nothing else like it like yes it's an art form and you can put it in that same like fine arts category of visual art and dance and theater mm -hmm. and whatever else qualifies but it's just it's a different beast mm -hmm. and in the best way I'm a hundred percent with you on that one. I think the people that get it, get it. The people who've worked on, worked in any arts, like understand the connection that comes with working with like-minded individuals with their right priorities. Yeah. It's crazy. Preach, man. For do you have sure. some epic outro written as well? I do. Well, not epic, but it's like, an, <laughs> it's, it's my nice little wrap up. Sick. Um. <laughs> I love it. I love it. If it's anything like that intro, I was. I need. That uh, intro. I don't think it can meet the expectations of the oh, intro, but <laughs> that was so good. <laughs> Sick. All right. All right. I'll let you take it away. <laughs>
Well, that brings us to the end of this episode of the Why Music Podcast. Check back again next Tuesday for another conversation with another independent artist. Thanks for listening.